and welcome to Landscape Photography World, the podcast for everyone passionate about landscape photography. I'm Grant Swinburne and I'll be your host on the show talking to landscape photographers about their motivations, likes and dislikes. This podcast is sponsored by Syncback Pro, the professional photographer's tool to keep your images safe. How safe are your photographs? Or to put it this way, how would you feel if you permanently lost some or even all of them? The fact is, there are very real risks in storing your digital images on a hard drive, even if they're backed up to an external device. There's ransomware, hardware failure, file corruption, virus infection, and even accidental deletion or destruction. Syncback Pro makes this problem go away permanently. Syncback Pro is the professional photographer's tool to back up photographs, images, documents, and data files. Once set up, it keeps your files safe, quietly and reliably in the background. So if problems occur or disaster strikes, you'll have nothing to worry about. Your photographs will be safe. Which is why it's also the backup solution that I use myself for my own photographs. Take advantage of an exclusive 25% discount today by going to www.backup.sg. The software will never expire, meaning your photographs are safe forever. That's www.backup.sg. Give your photographs the protection they deserve. And now, on with the show. Margaret Soraya is a Scottish landscape photographer who explores the Outer Hebrides to capture the untouched beauty of the coastline and sandy beaches. Her work celebrates solitude and questions society's favouritism towards extroversion. Through evocative images, Soraya highlights the power of peace in nurturing creativity. Her minimalist compositions and limited colour palette create a sense of calm and stillness. By using long exposures, she transforms stormy seas into tranquil impressions reminiscent of impressionist paintings. Soraya's softly spoken nature is reflected in her gentle message of encouragement and hope. Her studies of Aluskan Tyre Beach and the Harris Hills invite viewers to immerse themselves in solitude, offering a space for reflection and daydreaming. Scarista Sands in particular holds a special place in Soraya's heart due to its remote and peaceful nature. Her photographs capture the incredible light that illuminates this beautiful Hebridean location. Her work serves as a reminder to embrace the positive aspects of solitude in an increasingly busy and connected world where moments of peace and self-awareness are essential for personal growth and creativity. We discuss how her move to Harris came about, how her passion for the sea has driven her creativity, and how her style is developing to incorporate split underwater and overwater imagery, along with much more. I hope you enjoy the show. Hi, Margaret. Welcome to Landscape Photography World. How's your day going? Oh, fine. Thank you for inviting me here. It's really nice to meet you for a start. Yeah, um, I'm yes. really, really happy to have you on the show. It's something that I've wanted to, you're, you're someone I've wanted to talk to for a little while. And I guess why I want to talk to you is a bit about why you do what you do and some of your experience and share that with some of the listeners. But also, you've made some interesting life choices, and so I'm interested in talking about some of those. We'll come to those a, a little bit later in the show, but first off, why don't you tell people who you are and why you do what you do? Yes, yeah, sure. I'm Margaret Soraya. I live now on the Outer Hebrides in Scotland, and I am a landscape photographer, but I also write, so I also paint, so I'm a little bit of everything now, but I've built my 
I suppose I've built my business on my landscape photography. Sure. I started off as a wedding photographer. So I've been doing wedding photography for 18 years. So I've been running businesses, a self-employed photographer for 18 years now. But currently, the biggest part of my 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 world and my life is landscape photography. Right, fantastic. What is it that got you started in landscape photography? What is it about the landscape of where you live or where you've travelled that's dragged you into the the addiction that we have? I think that we all have something that's really deep-rooted in our lives that draws us back to something. And definitely for me, it was very early. It's a very early connection to the sea and the coast. Yep. So when we look at when I started landscape photography or when I started this the passion for the sea, I think we always need to go back to childhood and see where that started. So even though I wasn't photographing early on, I was always painting and drawing and my love of that coast was very strong in my early childhood. My path has been very unusual yeah. in that I, I grew up in Manchester in England in the middle of the city and uh, I wasn't anywhere near the coast, but I went on holiday to Holland to my grandparents every summer and was by the coast and I was free and I was happy. And those connections have lived with me forever, I think. Nice. And I think we all have that. Yeah. I don't know if you have something similar like that. Do you? It's similar. I actually did grow up very close to the coast. When I say coast, it was a bay, but my earliest memories of getting out onto the onto the beach was literally walking around the corner from uh, where I lived to, to the nearest beach and playing in the sand and in the water and... It's always been something that's been a passion of mine. Yeah, and I think that for me was the start of where I am today. That's a very long journey, and it's been a long journey to get to where I am. I've only just I've moved into this house now two months, so I am living my ideal life by the coast, which is what I've always wanted to do. But my life took a lot of different twists and turns along the way because mm. sometimes it just it gets in the way doesn't it and what we really want to do takes a long time to achieve absolutely and yeah I suppose what I'm saying is that the journey here has been very interesting and it's been a journey of self-awareness and of things that have happened that haven't lent themselves to me naturally being able to achieve what I wanted to achieve so I've had to fight against that but there's always been a constant and conscious desire to to live by the sea and to capture it creatively, whatever that means. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, yeah, it's taken me a long time to to get to where I am now, but I'm now at complete peace and happiness with my point in life. And creatively speaking, it's probably at the point of my most creative part of my life now. That's wonderful. Let, let's talk a little bit about the creativity part. Where did that really start for you? You said you've been running photography or businesses on your own for a while before you got to the landscape place of happiness that you're in now <laughs> where did the creativity start for your landscape photography as opposed to the wedding photography wedding photography I get there's a lot of creativity necessary in that but it's quite different in some ways but I'm just interested in where it's clicked for you that it could be art as opposed to just recording what you're seeing. Oh, totally. It clicked for me a long time ago. So probably in my early teens, I was trying to get out to photograph. It wasn't, I wasn't really near any sort of really nice places, but I was wanting to go out to photograph very early on. I went to, I actually went to study photography in Wales by the sea around about okay. age 19, 20. 
So I, I always knew the passion was always there. I always knew that this is what I wanted to do. I always knew that this is that was it for me, photographing the coast, being by the coast, being in, yeah. in the water, photographing, whatever. All of that has always been there. The reason that I went into wedding photography was a very practical. It was a very practical reason. I needed to earn. <laughs> and yeah. sometimes the conversations we have around landscape photography, I think, can be very... Can, avoid that part of things how does it fit into our lives what's the reality of yeah. living as a photographer and so what happened to me that that kind of influenced that journey was that I I got married quite fairly early on and had children and I stopped doing all my creative output that I'd started in those sort of early days sure. and I lost I lost that and I lost it to caregiving for the children. And when that when that marriage ended, I realized that I needed to get back to that, really need to get back to that. I was already running my wedding photography business at that time to earn a living. But I realized that for my own well-being and my own both mental and physical well-being, I needed to get back to the creative, the creativity in the landscape. So, so capturing the landscape. Sure. And I suppose what I'm saying here is the weddings for me was definitely a need to earn. So that was my day job. Yeah, it just yeah. happened to be in photography. But for me, it, there's a portion of it that I still, I continue to do weddings actually, but I do them on my own terms now. So I do them on beaches, the local beaches here. Yeah. And they're just one hour shoots basically on the beach. So nice. very, very different. Than, yeah, <laughs> pretty good. <laughs> very different. And so that for me, I turned, I managed to turn that into a, a little bit more into where I wanted to be in life. But definitely the, landscape photography was always the plan it was always the plan it just got stalled for a very long time as I went through a very difficult period in my life when when I was separated I was alone bringing my boys up and we'd lost our we'd lost our home and we didn't have anything so I sure. I was just on this treadmill a lot of people familiar to a lot of people I was on a treadmill of having to pay the rent and to feed yep. the children yep. and I did that through wedding photography yeah. and when I started to see the light <laughs> and they started to grow up a little bit I thought, no, I need to get back to the landscape now. So I started my business. I, I'm quite bold in some ways in that I think, well, okay, we're just going to start. Now's the time. Let's do it. I started my business, Quiet Landscapes, in 2018. So I've been running that for a few years now. And it it did well. So I was then running two two elements. But the, it did so well, it took over weddings very quickly. Yeah. But I think that happens, doesn't it? When you've got a real passion for something. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It, it just expands to fill the gaps that might have been in your life, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it shows as well. I think your passion and your love of something, you're going to talk about it more, you're going to want to do Absolutely. more around it, and so naturally it's going to do better. Absolutely. What's your approach to photography in terms of style for people that haven't seen your work how would you describe your style and what would you, how would you describe what you do uh, from a, a creative standpoint? Wow, so that's a hard one, isn't it? When you <laughs> describe your own work, it would be, it's coastal, definitely very coastal. A lot of people say that it's very peaceful and calming and 
I suppose, mindful in a lot of ways. So it's not something that I've gone, that's my style. That's what I'm going to, that's how I'm going to shoot. It's how I naturally do it. It's like an intuitive way of shooting. That's, I just keep producing that kind of work. Yeah. But I often, the irony being is that I'm often shooting seascapes in very stormy conditions. When we get the wild weather in the winter out on the Outer Hebrides and the waves are huge and it's roaring wind and rain, but I tend to slow the shutter down. A lot of the images have this sort of painterly feel and it's more about capturing how I'm feeling. And people always say, That's, that doesn't, it's contradiction. You, your, your image is very calm, but you're shooting in these wild, very cold, very rough conditions. Yeah. But I think it's because I'm trying to capture the state of mind rather than the just taking an image of what's happening. Mm. It goes a little bit deeper. Does that make sense? Yeah, it definitely makes sense. I think that the flow state or whatever you want to call it the focus on what you're doing is a calming element and repeatedly through just about every episode of my podcast that keeps coming up as a theme that that flow state and the ability to just shut everything else out in the world and concentrate on what you're doing regardless of whether the weather is cooperating not cooperating or whatever once you get into that state nothing else matters and isn't it wonderful? It's yeah, a absolutely. wonderful thing. But like, you My know, favourite feeling. So That's why I keep doing it, it. Yeah, it is like addictive, as you said. I think it's got to be consciously addictive as well, because when I say that, I think that we need to recognise that's what we need sometimes. So. Yeah. I suppose what I'm saying is for that's for mental well-being. It's realising that to get into that flow state and to, to practice that mindfulness through photography is really important for us, and it's easy to let that let that slip and let the world go by and yeah. things that you need to do. You have to make time for it, don't we? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. One of the things I'm always interested in finding out is how people stay motivated and how they experiment with new ideas and techniques because you keep going out and you're shooting in similar places. I go into the city here in Sydney quite a lot and I'm shooting the Opera House and the Harbour Bridge and so forth, but I'm trying each time not to take the same photo. <laughs> and the weather and everything, that that always has an impact. But it's also looking at a technique, time blending or something like that, as opposed to just, oh, here's a shot of the Opera House, here's a shot of the Harbour Bridge, etc. How do you get into that sort of experimental mindset and how do you use that to keep yourself fresh and motivated? Yeah, I get what you're saying, actually. I totally understand what you're saying there. How do you keep going and photographing the same places? Because I think it's really important to photograph the same places if you love that place. Definitely. That's what you want to do. It's important not to say, I've done that. I'm going to go to photograph France now instead. (laughs) and Or somewhere. Just It's a bit easier for you to do that than for me. A bit of a journey there for you. (laughs) I think the connection that you have with a certain place it's really important so where you live I'm a big fan of staying local if you can if that's the right place for you or going back to that place that means a lot to you because the the more you photograph it the deeper you can go so you can go deeper each time relating that to what I do here I've been photographing the Altebides for about 12 years I've been coming and there's a stretch of beaches that that are quite they're getting more and more well known now so a lot more photographers coming up here which is great it's brilliant but 
Yeah, you, then you start to see very similar images, don't you, all the time? And I'm starting yeah. to think, like, okay, I've done this. I will keep doing it in the same style that I'm doing. And mm. you'll always get a different light or a different kind of feeling of a place, different angle. But how can we do it? How can we capture this place in a different way? Yeah. And yeah. so one of the things that I've done, which is actually, I did this again, very consciously thinking this through. About four years ago, I started thinking, I wonder if I am in the water, because I like swimming as well as swim, swim outdoors, which is very different experience probably to swimming outdoors where you are, because it's very cold here. <laughs> so, I don't always in a wetsuit. Cold water swimming here and surfing and being out on a paddleboard. So all those things that I love. How do I bring yeah. all those things that I love together with the landscape that I love and to produce a different way of looking at the landscape? So yeah. I decided about four years ago, I'd start trying just putting my phone into the water to see what it's like because we've got cl- quite crystal clear water here. And yeah. so I was thinking, could we get those those kind of half? You probably have quite a lot of those images out with you, don't you, where you see the half? Yeah, yeah. It's probably a bit easier with you, I'm not sure, but it's quite hard here because of the, the cold. But I thought, okay, I'm going to start doing that. And then very quickly I moved on to better equipment and started learning, okay, I could move from the phone to housings for the camera and then getting in the water. So basically my new take on verb is from the water. So images from the water. Some of it's under the water with the landscape above it and some yep. of it's just on the surface, very much on the surface mm-hmm. and in the water. So I'm still getting those lands, the landscape, same landscapes in my other work, but from a very different viewpoint. And I set myself a project a couple of years ago. I set up an, an exhibition for July 2023 which has come around amazingly fast <laughs> but I knew that if I didn't have that exhibition to shoot for I might not do it yeah, yeah. Uh, I've been doing that and it's been great and I'll keep doing that now so now I'll add that into the portfolio I'll still do the landscape shots and then I'll still keep doing the underwater and then I'm thinking maybe from above so maybe so I've just got a new drone and I'm thinking maybe I'll do that next and cool. also video I've been doing a lot of video content so maybe the answer to what you're saying is to start thinking, yeah, okay, how can we do this differently? Could it, was it, is it time-lapse? Is it making videos? Is it, what's different about this? How can you keep yourself fresh? So I suppose, I don't know, have you found a way to do that yourself? Yes and no. (laughs) It's funny, like anyone, you do fall into a, a very similar workflow when you, particularly when you get in that flow state, because you're not really consciously necessarily thinking about what you're doing. You're doing some things automatically in response to the light or in response to waves. But one of the things that I've started doing myself is to start looking as opposed to, I'm usually a long exposure seascape, find a nice set of rocks and give me some flow over that and I'm happy as a clam. But I'm now taking a bit of time after sunrise to look at the way the waves are actually breaking and then break out the long lens, getting close and get those sort of more abstract wave action shots at a much, much faster shutter speed. The other thing I do is also do the opposite, which is get a very wide, fast lens (laughs) and then blow it out to a seven or eight minute exposure and just see what comes up. And for me, that that's a real piece of experimentation because you never quite know 
what you're going to get at the end of that six or seven minutes. So you've got a bit of an idea, but a number of times I've gone that five, ten seconds over and the highlights have just started to blow and those sorts of things. That's where you start to learn, for me anyway, that real very long exposure of photography is teaching me a lot about how to actually manage light and manage those exposures in much different ways to what I've normally been doing with around about that quarter second shutter speed. Yeah. I wonder if it just comes down to that the ability to let go and to play a little bit and to go, I'm going to try this. And then yeah. if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Or if I don't like it. Well, no, it nobody's going to see the stuff that doesn't work. That's it. True, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. That's but right. I think a lot of people struggle with letting themselves just play and go, yeah. actually. I, just I think like- failure is a big part of learning. If you're not failing, it's very difficult to learn because if you just succeed and succeed and everything you do is the same you're not going to change you're not going to evolve and you're not going to learn that's right yeah yeah and I think this fear of failure that so many people suffer from is what stops them to being ultimately having that that feeling of being able to let go and create because it is gonna you are gonna fail I failed a lot of times with my phone in the water I actually lost a phone in the water <laughs> some hard lessons were going on there yeah. um, but I, do, I didn't mind that I don't mind that I don't mind it being like oh I can't get it I can't get the exposure or the, the focus you just have to keep going and learning from that yeah but I do, th- I do think a lot of people suffer with that kind of the fear of failure or it not being perfect and all these things that stops us being ultimately creative and letting go and then once you you fail you learn as you said and then Absolutely. you can get better yeah. but you have to let yourself fail first so yeah it's really yeah. important and sometimes even the failures you can actually get some kind of success out of that and you look at it and actually go no it didn't work out how i expected it but it actually looks pretty good <laughs> that's cheap it's true isn't it yeah absolutely and even if you yeah. don't show anyone else you can still be quite happy with it <laughs> One of the things, that that expectation setting prior to going out, do you often go into the field with a creative concept in mind or are you more relaxed and just waiting for the light to happen or waiting for something to happen that you're going to react to when you're out shooting? Or do you, or I know some people that are, they'll plan everything to the nth degree and the astrophotographers, they have to. <laughs> they still can't plan for clouds but yeah I think that let me just think about that for a minute when I go out just because I feel the need to, to go and shoot or to go and create and sure. I don't think I think if you went out with a certain expectation you're destroying that enjoyment the one thing that I do is just make sure that when I'm going out the, the conditions are favorable <laughs> so yeah. there's very little point in going out if to shoot waves is if there's no waves. <laughs> so, yeah, if, so I'll if, always if like there's two centimeters. You're not going to get much to look. Yeah, not going to work, is it? So I get excited when we've got big waves coming in. Sure. So I'll have a look at the forecast. The forecast is great. I'll go out and then I'll just see. I'll see what happens, and I'll probably put myself in the right place at the time, and then just mm-hmm. go with the flow a bit. And I think that sort of like being led and just enjoying the time. Whether there's images at the end of it or not is really important for me. Yeah. Sometimes I suppose I'll go out and I'll photograph and then I won't even process them. <laughs> but I've had a I've had a great time and that's part of the journey for me. I think I think that's the bit that's important. That being out there and yeah, getting out yeah. there. So there's no great 
massive I don't put a lot of pressure on myself anymore maybe used to but Mm. I feel like I feel very peaceful with where I am with my photography I don't feel like I need to prove to anybody or prove to myself anything yeah yeah which is great that's a great place to be isn't it great great place to be yeah (laughs) yeah yeah and also I'm not like selling directly I don't tend to sell a lot of my work or don't I just don't so that's not yeah. where my income comes from so anything that I do is just it's just for me and that's there's great freedom in that there's really great freedom in it absolutely absolutely how do you I guess look at yourself in terms of communication communication is another theme that keeps coming up from people how much of your success would you attribute to your ability to communicate I just think it's so important it's just, it's the word success. It's a funny one, isn't it? Because well, I'm going to ask you in like, a minute how you define your success, but that's another question. Oh, that's a good question. I like that one. Okay. So communication thing. I think it's, it's just as important as the actual art or the creation, creation process. I personally feel that being able to write or being able to talk and to talk about, discuss the things behind creativity is as important as the actual art for me and as as important as the photography whatever the output is in in some ways it's become more enjoyable than the actual images which sounds a bit strange but okay. the conversations that, like the conversations we're having today yeah. and being able to talk to others and to inspire others and to share my journey and to help other people has become something that's really joyous to me and the learning to write and to talk, and I'm saying learning because I didn't always have this ability. So if you'd talked to me 10 years ago, I would have said, oh, no, I can't talk and I can't write. I don't write. I don't talk. I just take photographs and that's it. They stand alone. You hear that a lot, actually. But it's just that was just coming from a place of feeling like I couldn't do that. And it was very important to me to learn to write and to learn to talk and to learn to speak and to... I'm an introvert. I'm a very introverted, actually, which is a lot of people argue with me about because they're saying, well, you've got a podcast, you're talking, you're always doing this. Actually, no, I'm a massive introvert. Trust me, I'm an introvert too. (laughs) Great. Do you know what? So many landscape photographers are, actually. Yeah, absolutely. There's a correlation between introverts and creativity. So there are facts behind that. But the as an introvert, you'll know this, I don't know if you ever had this kind of journey, but I was very quiet as a child, very much poked at. <laughs> when I say poked at, like always, you should join in more, you should talk more, you should you should do this, you should do that. Yep. And then it makes you start to feel like there's something wrong with you. And everyone else is better than you because they can talk and they want to go to the parties and stuff like that. And you're wrong. And so I was very quiet and I never spoke up. And I, it was probably a good few years ago. Once I was starting this self journey, I realized I needed to learn to speak because I've mm. got something to say. I've got something to share. Yeah. And yeah. even if that just inspires any another introvert out there, that actually they're fine. They're fine as you are. If you don't if you want to live like I'm living very remotely on an island in the middle of nowhere and just create art. <laughs> quietly and unobtrusively that's really valid and we need more people like that absolutely uh, yeah so i learned to talk i did a, started doing a series of very small camera club talks to start with because before that i wouldn't talk at the dinner table if there was more than four people <laughs> and through doing that i got more confidence and it took yeah. years um now then i start my podcast a couple of years 
I love speaking now. I love sharing what I've got to say around the why behind photography, the well-being behind photography, and helping other people mm. make time and space for that because I'm very passionate about it. So communication yeah. is everything. That's the answer. Fantastic. Now comes the question about how do you define success? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a really good question because I was I was just thinking about that the other day and I think that I personally feel extremely successful in life at this point in time where I am now. And mm. when I say so success, we society would have us think, oh gosh, you must have a really big house and lots of cars and lots of money. Well, I've got none of that. I've got a, a crumbly old house that's I'm doing, I'm in the process of doing it. It was very affordable. <laughs> and I bought it myself. So I feel very successful that I've actually achieved that. I feel like I'm living. This is my definition of success, living in line with my values and what I love in life. Yeah, that's wonderful. Yeah, and that's it for me. So everything that I, it's not possessions. My van is, I think I calculated, is 19 years old. (laughs) And I I don't really want anything different. I probably could go and buy something and get loads of finance and have lots of debt and appear to others to be a bit more successful than I do with my driving around my old van but I don't want to because it does I don't put any value on that yeah. any, any anything that I could buy I don't have any don't put any value or success success on that but I do believe are uh, and living a life that we all have things that we value in life and one yep. and the things that I value in life are being outdoors being inspirational to other people and helping mm. other people so being kind and living this creative life, which is just, it's everything that I'm about now. I've managed to make space for creativity. And that is, that, that is, that's it for me. Yeah, that's my answer for success. And I think it's important that we all think about that a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. And it's absolutely wonderful to focus, I think, on the things that you yourself value as opposed to what society might. Yeah, yeah. One of the things I like to find out is how you balance the desire to create something that's original and unique with the need to stay true to the natural environment. Your work certainly shows that ability to stay quite true to the natural environment. There's a definite sense of place and a definite sense of the time and the moment that really comes through in your work. I'm just interested in how you work that around the originality and the uniqueness of what you're doing as opposed to what everyone else might be doing. And so it goes back a little bit to what we were talking about. How do you do something new? This is a little bit more about how you balance that. Do you, when you say like the stay true to the natural environment, what do you mean by that? Do you mean I, th- I guess you you see quite a lot of photography which I, I won't say and i'm not talking about composites i'm not talking about okay. oversaturation or anything like that but i'm talking about okay you definitely can identify this as a place in time as opposed to something which might look a little bit less not necessarily realistic but less natural and whether it's the way that it's been edited or the way that it's been shot, I'm just interested in how you do the, do what you do, which is keep it 
looking like it. If you went and stood on that beach, I'm pretty sure I could see those colours, those skies, if I was there at the same time. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's so far out of the realms of my, that I think about that I do understand that there are a lot of people in, I don't look at that much photography, to be honest with you, mm. uh, but I do know that out there, there's a lot of oversaturated or you're overcompensating because you want to make. Yeah, looking for the drama as opposed to yeah. what you've actually seen. Uh, yeah. So the answer is wait for the drama <laughs> don't try and make it. it i think a lot of people are trying to make something of something that isn't there yeah. i'll often just be waiting and if it doesn't happen it doesn't happen i'll go home but one of the things that i do and when you're talking about being very natural is that i don't i don't i don't ever do anything that's like uh, uh, hdr or anything that's fancy <laughs> it's just a it's just an image i'm not going to spend oh, hours yeah. doing something making putting skies in or anything like that so it's always going to be there in front of me i'm always going to wait for it to happen so it's natural yeah. and then when i go home i don't edit very much because i don't like sitting at the computer because i like being out in the landscape so everything that i edit is very fast so my edits are maybe minute on an image wow, okay. yeah that's quite a long time actually <laughs> <laughs> so it'll always be created in camera naturally without any anything and the edits will be very natural and all I do with the edits are just I'll often desaturate a little bit just to to give that sort of calming effect oh. rather than saturate I'll desaturate and it just that kind of works with my kind of my, my colouring, my style, I suppose. Everything's that yeah, sort of muted yeah. turquoises and it's not shouty, it's not standouty. I'm trying not wanting to try and force it to stand out. It stands out because it's not standing out, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean there's a lot of dramatic images out there that are all shouting for your attention. And yeah. When you do come across something like that, it, it is for me certainly refreshing because you do you get. Uh, I guess you get fatigued by the amount that I. One, one of the things that I do is I look at a lot of photography because I'm looking for people to get on the podcast and talk to, but I'm also interested in what's actually going on in terms of. Yeah styles and trends and so forth not that i necessarily want to jump on the bag bandwagon yeah. i'm just interested in seeing what other people are doing and yeah. fi finding out a bit more about it do you think just as you were talking that i was thinking about that thing about standing out and there are a lot of photographers and videographers who do stand out because they are shouting more so yeah whether the images are shouty or not they tend to correlate though so they're talking a lot there but they're, they're we're going back to that extrovert thing so they're maybe extroverts so they're on social media a lot more they're able to output more and they're able to just produce more and talk more and big themselves up yeah poss possibly yeah. yeah so they do get attention and i think that sometimes people who are a little bit more subdued it, it takes a lot longer, the traction, it takes a lot longer. You have to keep going with that message quietly and gently. Definitely. Uh, and I do think you're at a little bit of a disadvantage. No, you are, as, a, as an introvert, in terms of getting recognition. What do you think to that? I guess I agree. I think the, you do see people at different stages of this, both their social media exposure, but also their their photography 
journey as well. And it is interesting. You see a lot of people copying a style or copying a composition. They'll, and, but the ones that tend to stand out are the ones that are taking that extra step to go to places that nobody else goes or to find that unique angle of that particular view that nobody else has actually thought to do. And for me, they're the ones that kind of I take note of more because, okay, that's that, that's twisted my brain a little bit. That's something that I didn't expect to see. It's when you're seeing the same thing, you see the, I think there's actually an Instagram account that's there that shows you these places that are just the same shot and on repeat. <laughs> and yeah, and it's, it is funny in some ways, but I guess I understand it because there are places which are very photogenic, very much honeypot places that everybody wants to go and shoot. And in certain cases, there's only certain places where you can actually stand. And so therefore, <laughs> you know, your angle is only going to move by 20 or 30 degrees maybe, and you're not going to get a very different shot because of that. Yeah, it makes sense, yeah. I guess I'm also interested in the lifestyle choice. You've recently moved to an island in the Outer Hebrides. Not a lot of people around. Other than being an introvert, is, was that a choice based on wanting to photograph and come back to that place time and again? Or was it something a little bit different? Yeah, it's a it's been a long term goal of mine actually. So I've been coming here for photographing weddings and the landscape for I think 12, 14 years, quite a long time anyway. And I've been I started travelling over in my van. So I've got a van and I just used to come and then stay for a few days and then go home. And I developed this deep love of the place. Uh, it's a stunning place and a lot of people come here in July and go oh I love it here it's just wonderful but they haven't experienced the, the winters which can be really harsh I love the winters I love the storms I love the people I love the remoteness of it I've got and I suppose over those years of doing that I just that just got deeper and many years ago I thought I, yeah I just could just live here I just want to live here but I had I had my children and they were young they were still at school and then moved about a bit and their lives had been a bit choppy and I didn't yep. feel like I could do that and I couldn't afford it at the time either so I put it on ice <laughs> and then the opportunity arose in September last year when they both left home one of them was gone already and the other one just went it was a bit of a surprise <laughs> and I was like well, okay I wonder if I put my house in the market in on the mainland which yep. Now, because the market was really good for a while, so I was like, "Just do it now, and we'll see if I can manage to sell it for enough and manage to buy something out here." It makes sense because it's just me now. I got this bigger house out there that I didn't really want anymore, and yeah. so I just did it. I put it on the market, and I was lucky enough to make a little bit extra. The harder thing is buying out here because property markets also boomed here. So yeah. I managed to buy something else. Up everywhere. Yeah. yeah, and it's become very popular out here as well for second mm. homes, basically, and uh, holiday lets and things. So yeah, yeah, Airbnb has got a lot to answer for. Yeah. <laughs> yes, very difficult now. But then this house came on, and it's on the more sort of local side of the island, and it wasn't so attractive. So I, I put an offer in for it, and it got accepted. And so by February, I'd taken, I'd sold that house and come over here. And uh, yeah, it took me a wee while to move in, but 
it was just really, it made sense to me. It made sense to be on the island that I just feel is right for me to yeah. be creative. Yeah. The, it's got the beaches that I photograph all the time. It's got the weddings that I photograph here. I know the people here and I love that. You have to have a deep love of this place to be able to live here. It can be quite harsh. Yeah, I live in the middle of nothing. <laughs> it's just wonderful. There's a lot of sheep and lambs around at the moment. And I've met the neighbours have just been so welcoming because they're just delighted that somebody's come here to live rather than just to buy it as a holiday home. Yeah. <laughs> and it just feels like coming home. And But also what I did was to by my freedom almost because I, I was able to this is a smaller house I was able to release some of that need to earn so mm. the plan going forward is that this is the start of my real creativity because I've now got time and space to do it and also being in the place that makes that gives me inspiration so it's just been yeah it's not been a quick decision it's been a long planned out and thought out and it's been a long time coming and it just feels, it feels amazing, really amazing. But the start of a, a big surge of creativity for me, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Is How do you think where you are or where you've been shooting around the Outer Hebrides, how has that shaped your style and how you shoot and the techniques that you're using? It's, it's definitely been everything. I think it's because of the love of the place. So mm. as opposed to the look of it, although the look of it influences it because we've got these turquoise waters and yeah. sands that are white. So we've got this colouring, I suppose, and this style. But I think it's more to do with the love of it. I think that if you can find something that you truly feel a connection with and you want to go deeper and deeper with it all the time, and that's just where you're happy, that's the key. That's the key to 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 finding the that your style and your yeah what it is you do mm. and finding that and then working with it and yeah the love of the place definitely is more important than the actual look of it and the, I, I love being here I love going to those beaches I love standing on them I love photographing on them in the water so I'm going to keep doing that repeatedly over and over again maybe there'll become a time when. Um, that was a phase in my life and I'm going to move on to something else but it doesn't okay. feel like yeah. that it doesn't feel like that it feels like this yeah. is it for me it, it, it's your retirement place <laughs> I'd be totally happy with that I couldn't ask for much more yeah. Yeah. what's your most memorable experience you've had with photography that's an interesting one isn't it memorable experience I think that there's been so many to be honest with you I think probably one of the things that really stands out to me was when we had actually quite recently, and maybe those memories and the more recent ones, you keep them with you, don't you? They're very precious yeah, to yeah. you. So when I was in the water recently on Luskentire Beach and we'd had a snowfall and we don't often get snow on the island, but there was snow on the beach of snow and it was early morning and it was sunrise so we had all these beautiful colors the water was still and we had the snow it was freezing i remember my feet i couldn't feel my feet i was walking longer and i don't know about feet anymore <laughs> but being in the water there photographing was just outstanding so i think the yeah that experience was incredible and also different i suppose as well and yeah. but there's so, so many and they're so beautiful the memories are of photographing and being creative are just beautiful, aren't they? Absolutely. They really uplift you, don't they? Definitely. I can't imagine snow on a beach because our beaches, you're never likely to see any. <laughs> <laughs> I 
might happen one day, but not while I'm alive. <laughs> it does it. What about horror stories? Everyone has their disasters. Have you had any disasters oh. that you can tell us about? Horror stories. Oh, my goodness. I don't think I've ever had any. No, I don't think I've ever had any horror stories. I think maybe the times when, I suppose, when things have gone wrong with equipment and maybe oh, yeah, equipment's yeah. Fall, fallen over on the beach and gone, when you're watching your camera go in slow motion and it's going forwards onto the filter. Yeah. <laughs> because of the, some of the conditions I'm shooting, it's very windy. It can be very windy out here. Mm. And I suppose those are the things that, you know, falling over. And, yeah, I do remember that actually falling over and smashing my new gfx which wasn't a good moment but the, but you have to remember it's all part of it isn't it we have to use the equipment we have to be out there absolutely if you, go wrong you but... can't take any photos when it's in the bag exactly exactly so we need to get the camera out there and use it and if it goes wrong there's always insurance that's it <laughs> uh. What do you think the practice of photography has taught you about nature? Just how important it is to be outdoors, I think. One of one of the big things about photography is that it, it's it's almost like it's not as important to me as the being outdoors, but it's a tool to get you out there. I certainly know from a health, I keep going back to that well-being, that health standpoint, I think being outdoors is crucial it's so important to us absolutely one of the things that we're losing a little bit in in the world of technology and children that attach to ipads things like that and we are losing that as and it's a generational thing which is probably going to become more of a problem but being outdoors is one of those fundamental things for mental well-being that is is crucial so if we can encourage people to be outdoors through photography and whether that's with the phone, doesn't matter what it is, what tool you've got. Yeah, the tool Just doesn't really... matter. Yeah. Exactly. exactly, it doesn't matter. But it is a tool. Photography is a reason to get yourself out there and totally. to, yeah. to be mindful and to feel better and to be part of a community, I suppose, as well. We're talking, I'm talking about being an introvert, but it doesn't mean that I, I don't, I, I love conversations with fellow people who understand who yeah. did it. I think that's really important as well. So... It can be, it can give you that sort of landscape community as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I suppose that's the big thing. The big thing from thinking about being out in nature is that it's important to be outdoors, and it's maybe a little bit easier where you are, where it's a bit warmer. I don't know. <laughs> um, do yeah, sometimes it's it, it, sometimes when it's too hot, you really don't want to go outside in the middle of the day, True. particularly. I mean, I've been out shooting at sunrise and it's almost 28 degrees and it's going to be a real hot one from there because it's going to get into the high 30s at a minimum and into the 40s maybe if you're unlucky. And, uh, yeah, so I'll finish a shoot, go for a swim, then go home and stay in the air conditioning all day. That's yeah. That's a different. It's an opposite, isn't it? Whereas yeah. here, it can like today. It's raining. It's going to rain all day, and it's really mm. cold. I've got the fire on. We get those rain. days too. But... <laughs> <laughs> we get them a lot. So actually, sometimes it's oh, I don't, I'm not sure that I want to go out. But then you've got the camera, and the waves are good, or you just this is it. Just thinking, yeah. just going to go out with the camera. It doesn't matter. We'll just put ten layers on. It'll be fine. And then you come back feeling so much better. You know, and totally. it doesn't really matter whether yeah. you've. 
taken any images or not, you've been outdoors. Absolutely. You touched on that sort of collaborative. You touched on that collaboration and community building. How do you see that helping in fostering creativity for landscape photographers? One of the things I, and it's one of the reasons why I started the podcast, is learning from peers in the field without necessarily going out into the field with them. But I'm learning a lot about not just what you do, but other things as we're talking. How do you see that? working for yourself I think it's really important to to be talking to like-minded people and to be sharing the things that we're sharing that are are maybe going a little bit deeper than just tech and kit and whatever I think that's important in this world so if we can be connecting like this and having these conversations and putting them out into the world that's got to be a real positive thing hasn't it and I hope so (laughs) Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and for us as well, it's it, it keeps us going as well a little bit, inspires you, doesn't it? Totally, and, um, yeah. Connection's great. I started a couple of years ago, I had this idea of starting a festival in Scotland. So I ran one last year and I'm running it again this year. It was very successful. But it's all based around creativity, creative photography, encouraging people who it doesn't, you don't have to have all the kit and the and to be a photographer you can be a person with a camera that loves taking photos on your sorry a phone loves just yeah, taking photos yep. on your phone so encouraging well-being and creativity but after covid i thought okay we've got a lot of online stuff what about if we did it in person and we took people into these places and did little workshops with them and different speakers and we all got oh. together in this kind of yeah. beautiful little community but together actually in real life And it worked really well last year. And it was so important to a lot of people that actually attended. Came to me afterwards and said that was just, yeah, important to me in my life. And it's made me feel better about so many different things and encouraged me to go out and be creative and to be outdoors. So for me, that collaboration and the talking to people who are on the same kind of wavelength is important because we're helping other people come into that space and we yeah, yeah. encourage other people to do these things. So I put quite a lot of weight on it. And I think it's great what you're doing, what I do with the podcast. I think it's a great thing. Yeah. yeah. Talk to me a little bit about the podcast. Might as well give it a plug while we're here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Join, join the lockdowns. I did a little online course and one of the that we were taught was like you've got to start a podcast that's the right time to be starting a podcast so I'll, I'll start when i started this one <laughs> did you yeah same time oh, yeah july funny. 2021 <laughs> yeah i went straight in there i think it was november 2020 i think i went mm. in, yeah and uh, yeah, yeah it was like when i first started just like what do i do with all this tech i don't know how this works <laughs> but you learned it's one yeah. of those things just start it and you learn and you improve as you go, then you start to understand, oh, I can record this way and whatnot. So I started it originally just as a generic kind of photography podcast. And I was like, who can I who can I interview? And then as it's evolved, it's become more and more enjoyable. And I'm having more conversations with people around topics like self-compassion and well-being. Mm, cool. and in fact, I'm recording on Sunday with somebody who's, we're going to talk about self-love. And we're talking about that through the creative space. So it's not, it's not photography. It's about yeah. how you can be more compassionate to yourself. And that opens up the doors to creativity. So it's all within that sort of realm. But yeah, I'm really enjoying it. And I'm finding 
myself more confident the more that I talk. So I used to think, oh, I didn't think people listened for a long time. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> I why what was going on. <laughs> you get that? Yeah. You ever get like somebody email and say, I love that episode. Well, somebody's actually listened to it. Yeah, wow. <laughs> I've got a listener. <laughs> <laughs> and there are people listening and it's picking yeah. up traction. And I think you've got to really be dedicated to it to keep going because you don't, it's not necessarily a direct income and as such. So you, the time yeah. and energy you put into it is quite a lot, actually. But I think, that again, if we're bringing something to enjoyment to people who are listening or something of value, then it's got to be a great thing, hasn't it? That's it, yeah. I knew I'd made it when I first saw my first listener from Zambia. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I think Do you they enjoy only, it, though? I don't know. They only downloaded one episode that I can tell. So. <laughs> it was probably oh, my intro when they said, no, I'm not listening to that. That's brilliant. So what do you get from the podcast? Do you enjoy it for yourself? I do enjoy it for myself. The conversations that I'm having, the people that I'm able to meet, the generosity that I get from everyone that I speak to. And I've had, for me, it's really, as I said before we started recording, it's, it's about that focus on why people do this and what their journey to get to that point where, oh, this is an art form and this is how I'm actually going to move it forward is totally fascinating to me. I've learned a hell of a lot, learned a hell of a lot around the business of photography as well because I've spoken to people that have been in the photography game for some years. But I'm also trying to spread that out to people that might have a very small social media following, but they're really good photographers and sometimes their work needs to be seen more. And so part of it I see is giving back to the community and saying, hey, here's somebody that's really worthwhile looking at but also talking to and listening to how they've come about making what they make. And, yeah, I get a hell of a lot out of it personally just from the conversations that I'm having uh, it's also opened up other business opportunities as well. I'm not going to lie because aside from pumping my own stuff, in talking to some of the photographers, I've been able to start looking at doing shared workshops and yeah. doing other things in, in collaboration with other people that n- normally I probably wouldn't. If I was trying to do it just through social media DMs, it, it's a really tough ask to try and get something like that happening because I know when I get approached by somebody saying, hey, I'd like to collaborate, it's usually a jewellery or a T-shirt manufacturer that I look at and go, yeah, you're probably not a real business. <laughs> true. It's true. And you're absolutely right because a lot of the people who have been on my podcast are like people that are now speaking at my festival and I've made friends with them and I love making new friends and I think that photography we should just make as many if we're all in it together. Absolutely. Eating. Yeah. So the more friends that we can make, the better because we're all, we've got the shared interest, haven't we? Yeah. But I absolutely loved what you said about shining the light in people with smaller followings or that need to be seen. I totally agree. Yeah, their work is so good that, and unique. You've gone on mute. Sorry, I flicked, <laughs> I waved my hands around and I flicked the key that put me. <laughs> getting excited no, it's, yeah, I, I, it's, it's very important yeah but I think it's important their, their work's 
so good that you've got to get them get that light shone on them as you yeah. said brilliant i love it that uplifting other people it's, it's so good the more that you help other people it's not going to bring you down it doesn't oh absolutely not yeah. if you share somebody else's work i loved what you did the other week about saying i'll share it was in your stories you said i'll share your accounts love it i think that's great yeah i've done that for years actually not that specific mechanic but i do what's called a feature friday every friday i post a story of the stuff that i've seen that go i go wow that's someone's got to see this and i don't care whose it is whether it's somebody that's got a million followers or somebody that's got 10 followers i'll if it if the work is good i'll highlight it simply because i like it and i like to share what i like if other people don't like it i don't care (laughs) that's brilliant i do that occasionally i'm not as disciplined as you i think it's i just haven't had the, the headspace of the, the yeah no. it, and it, it does take a bit of discipline but uh, funnily enough the podcast and the metronomic process of okay i've got to do this i've got to do this i've committed to somebody else to do this by this date and those sorts of things and i'm making commitments to myself that it just it it works for me and i just get into that rhythm and whether it's to do with, and I probably sometimes do it to the detriment of promoting some of my own stuff as well, but yeah. I, I don't really care about that. <laughs> I care, but I don't care. If I cared more, I'd do it more. Yeah, but I find self-promotion just terrible. I, some people <laughs> don't even know about half the stuff that I do. So I didn't know you ran a yearly online community. You've got all of these things going on because I never talk about them. So I'm trying yeah. to do that a little bit more. But yeah, I don't know. It just doesn't. I think it's it's for introverts and certainly for me, the culture that I was brought up in is don't blow your own trumpet. Yeah. Pump up other people and help them. It's not about me. It's actually about the people that I'm talking to or whose work I'm, I'm showing on a feature Friday. It's, and to me, it's something I wouldn't do it if I didn't enjoy it. If I didn't get something out of it personally, and it's not monetary gain, certainly isn't that. <laughs> and it's not fame or fortune or anything. It's just satisfaction that I've actually maybe helped somebody get seen. That's great. You talked a little bit about storytelling and developing narrative and that ability to communicate. What techniques are you using to convey that sense of mood or emotion in your images what are the what's the special source without giving away the the technical secrets necessarily mind you there can't be too many if you're only taking a minute to (laughs) to edit (laughs) do you mean in the actual image making yeah in in the making of the images what are you doing there that you're trying to connect that emotion to the image i think i'm just always trying to capture the it's always waves. So I'm always trying to catch the waves. And I'm the same. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Yes. It's just all, always. And it, there's always another wave, isn't there? That's right. <laughs> you don't have to wait long. <laughs> no. Mind you, I was on a beach the other day and I saw these waves hitting a set of rocks and I was quite taken by it. And so I trotted down there, put set the tripod up, and it was 10 minutes before the next wave actually hit those rocks. <laughs> I know it's it's a funny thing because it's it's like a need, isn't it? It's not necessarily it is, yeah. it's, it's not a want. You need it's sometimes addiction. you just 
Yeah. yeah. Just need to do it. And I suppose when you're saying what the techniques, do you mean the camera techniques? Yeah, it could be camera techniques or it could be compositional techniques. Yeah, I do, I'm struggling a little bit with that one because it, I do everything intuitively and it's almost like second Fine. nature now. And maybe yeah. that's because I've had so many years of practice at it. But I suppose the two things I'm always looking at are whether I'm going to shoot with a longer exposure and have that sort of creamy, like soft, gentle effect sure. or go with a, a long, a faster shutter speed and capture capture the motion of it. Yeah. Um, and I suppose that's what I'm always, that seems very obvious to me. <laughs> But it's maybe not obvious to everybody. Those are the things I was approached at the scene. I'm always like, okay, would I go? I tend to shoot slightly wider when it's I'm slowing that shutter speed down. This is just, I, I don't know why I do this, but it's just what I've developed. And then I've got a longer lens to get closer into the waves if I want to freeze that motion a little bit. So those are the two ways that I approach things. And it just depends on the conditions as to how, which one to no. choose. So it's very simple. Very, it doesn't almost like it, that doesn't, come into my brain anymore those decisions are just there just make them and the more important bit is enjoying the time so I think that for other people it's if you're a bit newer to photography those decisions and those technical questions they sometimes get in the way a little bit too much so it's almost like you have to just keep practicing if you keep practicing you get that flow of that technique and you know you've got to reach unconscious competency that's it I like that So you're not thinking about, it's like driving or riding a bike, driving a car or riding a bike. You start off and it's the very very conscious incompetency because you don't know how to do it (laughs) and you're very conscious of that fact and you're very conscious of everything that you're thinking about. So you put a lot of thought into all of the hand movements or finger movements or whatever it is that you've got to do to make it happen and then you progress through a series of stages until you reach that point where right. bing it, ah i can do it <laughs> yeah and that gets i don't think about it that you yeah you're in the flow state then aren't you yeah. the yeah. technicals for me are just like somebody will ask me something i'm like i'm not really sure what i do because but i just do it <laughs> and i clearly know it because it's not like i'm technically incompetent it's just yeah. that it doesn't yeah. matter too much very much so when you're yeah. asking me that question i'm like i'm not really sure what the answer is i just i just go out on the dip but one of the things that i do is keep things very simple as simple as i possibly can so two lenses that's it and it's one or the other we can overcomplicate things a little bit i think so one of the things that's been important is just to simplify everything how do you push past creative blocks everyone gets to that point where it's kind of either you don't want to do it or you feel you can't or you feel you can't achieve what it is that you want to achieve what do you do what do you have any strategies that you use to stay inspired and engaged and push past them that's funny because i've just written a podcast i'm just i'm just doing some little solo episodes on how to find inspiration so i've just oh. written, literally written that i'm recording that just after this one uh, so the ideas are the block it, there's a lot of reasons why you would be blocked and a lot of them are nothing to do with photography so <laughs> some of the things going back to that sort of real conceptual but if you read like the artist's way and she talks about how to open up these blocks and it's dealing with it's very complex stuff but you, yep, yep. You, we all need to do it first so that dealing with that fear of failure perfectionism inner critic all of those things start working on those start reading about those and that's step one 
And then step two is the actual kind of things that you can do to feel inspired again. And they're really important to do this sometimes to think, what is it that inspires me? So what state, what set of circumstances makes me feel like excited about creating and free and happy to create? What are those things? And we'll have them. There are all moments in our lives, like maybe when listeners are listening to us and they're going oh I feel like I want to go out and shoot now so I feel yeah kind of I hope motivated. so <laughs> yeah <laughs> so that could be one and if you recognize that then just do that go oh if I listen to a podcast today with Grant then <laughs> I'll feel inspired yeah. but it, it doesn't just happen the point is it doesn't inspiration just doesn't come we have to work on it and that those two things don't sound initially like they sit together quite well inspiration should just happen we should just sit there and go oh, i feel really inspired and free that doesn't happen we need to work on that definitely so just to finish that off just quickly yeah the things that make me feel inspired are podcasts definitely if i listen yeah, to podcasts yeah. I feel great books reading books and going for a walk maybe without the camera yeah going for a walk and having time alone that's the biggie for me going for a walk by myself with a podcast even better yeah and then I'll come out the other end going oh I've had this space this you've created this space in your head and creative inspiration will just it will come yeah Fantastic. does that help yeah certainly help me <laughs> I feel inspired <laughs> <laughs> what do you see as the future of photography particularly landscape photography but you can talk photography in general and what do you see as the biggest challenges facing it in that future oh wow that's a big one isn't it yeah (laughs) i like to ask the hard ones that's that's really difficult i think the future is whatever you should make it yourself if sometimes it's very easy to get bogged down with the things the challenges that that we're facing and the technical technological advances that are going to bring more challenges and say actually yeah okay it's all going to be dead easy and the camera's going to do it all for you and computer's going to do it all for you and to look at it like from that point of view and where we're going but I think if you just say kind of put your head down and do what you do and just keep working in the way that you think is genuine and authentic then that's it that's good enough isn't it yeah I don't know that answered that I was maybe avoiding that question a little bit because I don't, <laughs> I don't know the answer. Yeah, I don't think anyone really knows what the future is. I can see AI playing a bigger part and whether that's positive or negative, that's hard to say at this point. A lot of people see it as a negative. I think the ethical considerations about people trying to pass off AI as photography but I can see a point where you're going to buy a camera and the camera app comes native with a whole bunch of AI capability. And to be honest, we're probably already seeing some of that. You you have a look at the the Google Pixel, whatever it was, that came with the flow feature. So if you took a shot of a waterfall, it could actually convert that to look like a long exposure shot. And yeah. so what's doing that? It's a computer basically somebody's programmed it to look at other images that are like that and reflect something like that in there so i think we're already seeing those sorts of features in certainly phone cameras or the phone camera apps because 
it's not the lenses or the sensors that are doing that it's the software behind it and to a certain extent we're also seeing some of those things in mirrorless cameras now where they're using ai features to to tweak whether it's a hdr feature or some other in inverted commas creative feature that canon or nikon or fuji or sony or whatever has come up with so i think that technology side of it is going to be i was talking to tony hewitt a fairly well-known australian landscape photographer and we were talking about that last week and it was exactly that conversation around photo photography's always changed it started out with glass plates and emulsion and then moved to film and then moved to digital and so it's always evolved and it's evolving still and it will continue to do that so from a technical point perspective i don't see that i don't see the desire for people to create changing yeah. i still see people will want to go out and for me i've dabbled with the ai programs that are out there like midjourney and Callie or Cali or whatever it's called, or Dali, sorry. <laughs> and it just doesn't grab me. I find it a bit boring, <laughs> to be honest, because so I'm typing yeah. some words in and it's spitting some images at me. And I go, so what? Yes, I would feel a lot more ownership if I was actually doing more and I would feel a lot more ownership if I was maybe taking those images and messing with them in Photoshop or turning them into some other digital art form. But, yeah, I don't feel a lot of ownership for them. It's the programmer or the program itself that's actually doing the work, not me. So maybe the answer is just stay true to yourself and do create I think so, what yeah. you want to create. But do you remember when it when digital came in? I remember it very clearly and it was mm. like, oh, this is awful. This is going to ruin photography. So, <laughs> well, it, was, it was the death of photography. Yeah, I know. It was a terrible thing. But... I think that we are creative beings as humans. This is what we have this drive to create. Mm. And I think we will always create in a traditional sense. I think we need to do that. I don't think I wouldn't describe creating as what you've just described with those programs. I've got to say, I haven't even looked at them because I don't have time in my life to be looking at things like that. That I don't think will do it for me because I, as I said, yeah. I want to be outside creating. So I'm the side. Yeah, we'll change. Maybe we'll change what we do to suit that. I don't know. But I don't think, yeah, it doesn't bother me. I think we'll always we'll always make a, find a way to, to be creative. Yeah. Uh, there's been a few publicised instances where people have put AI into a, a competition and so forth. And fair enough, it's been okay because they've coughed up and said, yes, it's AI. But I can see some unethical people also taking the award money or whatever it is, the prize, and saying, yeah, thanks very much, see you later. And so I, I can see maybe there'll be, for photographic competitions anyway, there's probably going to be a bit more emphasis on, okay, show me your raw files, show me, show me where this originated. And maybe special categories for the digital art side of things where composites and... AI photography composites or whatever they are could potentially sit. Yeah, I got to say that I don't, I'm not in that world, yeah. the photographic competition world. 
<laughs> should we say and quite consciously it's just a decision I've made not to sure. I used to and I think there's validity in it I'm not saying that's oh yeah I, I think you can get a opinion. lot of personal growth if particularly competitions that do give feedback I think if you're entering them you get a measure of where you're at in your journey but I don't I certainly don't think they're the be all and end all that some people might think they are no, I don't think so. I, the reasons that I don't anymore, I used to a little bit, is because my images will never win a competition. And I know that for a fact, because they're not, I don't particularly create technically correct images in any shape or form. So yeah. they'll just, they just get chucked out. And secondly, I don't really care if I'm going to, I don't have that need to feel like I've won something I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that because I think it'd be amazing if it's great for business it's great for oh totally uh, yourself and I think the process of entering the competition is fantastic because you're looking at your work and you're thinking what is it about it but the one thing I do put I do think is very good is to enter like a portfolio rather Mm. than the single image because I think there's a great thing about looking at your work and going what is it that binds these images together yeah, that's yeah. when we're getting a bit deeper rather than a single image kind of thing. But personally, it doesn't. It, it, yeah, it, I'm not going to spend the time on entering competitions because I know I'm, I know I won't win, and I don't really care that I won't win either. I'm just concentrating. I'm very conscious that every ounce of my energy goes into the right place now, and, yeah. and it's very important. That's one of the very important things is to make sure your energy goes into the right areas of your life, and I don't want to be distracted by competitions. Mm. Fair enough, fair enough. What advice would you give to a 12-year-old Margaret if you could go back in time and she'd listen? <laughs> yeah, she probably wouldn't listen. <laughs> she Who's, this silly, Who's this silly person wanting to talk to? <laughs> I my, my advice would be to follow your intuition. I think that's the biggest thing that anybody can do and not listen to the external voices. And to understand that that even though you're you're quiet, that it doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with you, and to to keep creating and using that intuition. So those words is the words that have become important in my life: the intuition, creativity, and quiet. Yeah, yeah. Those are the pain points in my life that have, where it went wrong a little bit, and it took me years to get back on track. If I could just have bypassed those years, <laughs> I maybe would be a lot further now. But then again, we can't do that because. It, we're shaped by our the things, the challenges in life, aren't we? Absolutely. If you didn't have any challenges, there wouldn't be much shape to what you do. I'd be a bit boring, really, wouldn't yeah, I, if I didn't have, haven't had any challenges? You wouldn't be very real, would you, as a person? I don't think so, no. I don't think so. I certainly wouldn't. Are there any other photographers that you think I should be talking to on the podcast? Oh, there's some lovely photographers. What, have you heard of Bill Ward? I have heard of him, but I haven't had him on the pod yet. You would love to chat to Bill Ward because he's a, he's great. He's great at chatting, and uh, yeah, he's got some really great insights into yeah the, these deeper things behind photography. And the other one, another one, a very little known lady called Justine Ritchie, who lives in an incredible. She's an incredibly tough lady. She lives up a hill with no path, and she has to carry all her supplies up to this house that she's rebuilding. But she's wow. very much into the mindful, mindful side of forest yeah. bathing, yeah. mindful photography. There you go. Fantastic, thank you. I've got one more question for you, and it's the most important one that I ask because there's a lot of people that are clamouring to understand this. 
Do you like pineapple on pizza? Oh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Terrible. No? Okay. Is that the right answer or wrong answer? Well, yeah, I, I personally don't care. I, I won't order it, but if it's on a pizza, I won't pick it off. I'll eat it. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'd definitely pick it off. <laughs> You're not into that salty, sweet sort of taste sensation? Love pizza, though, I've got to say. Pizza's yeah. one of my weaknesses. <laughs> Fair enough. It's been absolutely marvellous having you on the show for today, Margaret. Where can people find your work? And have you got anything else that you want to plug while we're here? It's quite funny because I've got so many things I do, I often forget what I do. So <laughs> <laughs> you can find it. You can pretty much find everything on Instagram, just at Margaret Soraya. I've got YouTube. I've got my podcast quite landscapes and i've got about four different websites but you can find them all via instagram which is where i'm most active brilliant all right thank you very much thank you thanks thanks nice chatting to you thank you thanks again for listening to landscape photography world i hope you enjoyed the show and keep listening because i'll be joined by some great guests in upcoming episodes you can find my work in this podcast at grantswinburnphotography.com i'm also on vero twitter youtube instagram and facebook if you're interested in buying prints or photography gear or doing a photo workshop with me, these are now on sale on my website. I'm Grant Swinburne. Hope to see you out shooting soon.